0: You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Nice. Happy Father's Day, dads. It's good to have you here today. This is a great time. Hey, when you leave uh, the building today, dads, we have a little gift for you. It's my, uh, my favorite candy bar. It's a payday. And so I hope today is a payday for you, one way or another. Uh, so we're going to, uh, I, hope, I hope it pays off in, in the word of the Lord. I hope you're refreshed. I hope God does some amazing things in your life. When I was in high school, I worked as a dishwasher with one of my best buddies, Tommy Blasey. Tommy and I would wash dishes and then we would go out in the back uh, and have a break. And uh, the, the the Chinese restaurant set right on the main boulevard. So when we'd go out and have this break, we would chit-chat and we would talk. And I was always looking for ways that I could kind of mess with Tommy, you know, mess with his head just a little bit. And I was leaning against this wall and I looked up and there was a glass shop right behind and I could see the passing cars. I could see the cars in the reflection. And so I I I, I said to Tommy, Tommy, I bet you five bucks I can tell you Uh, What the next car is that passes and he said you're on man you're on and so he puts down five dollars the car comes by and I said man by the sound of that engine you know and the way that the tires were moving it was like it was like a, a Chevy and he just freaked out he said this is incredible we're gonna make millions of dollars on this you know so so I said well let's let me let me see if I can get better at this and we did this actually this went on for a few weeks Every break, he'd come out and he goes, I can't wait. Do the trick again. Do the thing. Tell me. And so after a while, it got a little more absurd because when a car had passed by, I would say that is a 1966 blue Mustang with rims on it. And he just was going crazy. He thought we were going to take this show on the road. He thought he'd just seen the mother load, man. And, and I was the mother load. So my trick was, it was just a trick. My trick was based on deception. It wasn't real. I, I didn't. And I don't have supernatural ability to know uh, the make or model of any kind of car. I'm the worst guy to ask or talk to about cars. I just don't know. But in this time, he thought I was the best. So this wasn't real. It was just a, it was just a show. And I was, I, I was putting uh, on a show for Tommy, um, make him think I was a little better than I was, a little smarter a little more supernatural, you know, all that kind of stuff, because he was, uh, he was thinking I had the gift. Some gift he thought I had, but it, but it was built on something that wasn't true. And, and sometimes what we do in life is, is, is we build uh, our life on some things that might not be true, some things that we believe about ourselves, especially when it has to do with shame and when it has to do with the lies of the enemy, that will believe certain things that are absolutely not true according to God's Holy Spirit and according to his word. And so today what I, I want to do is just, I want to I pray that deception out of your heart. I want to pray that deception out of your mind that when you hear the word of God, when you hear the word of truth, that it'll make a huge difference in your life. Can you say amen to that? Yeah, there are things that I know I believe that, uh, that I have believed that, that weren't true and there, there are things that I'm not sure about. You know, there are things that I need the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, point this out in me. Wherever there's deception in me, wherever I have believed in a lie, point that out and in Jesus' name, I stand on the word of God. And that we stand on the word of God because we believe here in this place the word of God is inerrant. We believe the word of God is perfect the way that it comes to us. And so we believe that. And so what we do is we don't pull sleight of hand. We're not into deception. The Holy Spirit is not into deception. And so we we don't want to necessarily impress other people or show them what, what we are when we're really not. And so the question that we're actually wrestling with here in the last few weeks is this. If the Holy Spirit were to leave, would anybody really notice? I mean, if the Holy Spirit were to leave my life, would I notice? Would you notice? If the Holy Spirit were to leave this place, would anybody really absolutely Notice, and that's what this is all about. We're talking about this and we're asking this question because to be a follower of Jesus Christ and to tell others about Jesus Christ requires the power of the Holy Spirit to be alive and well in us. And I want to just pray that over you right now. Would you just bow your head just for a moment, and you invite the power and presence of God's Holy Spirit into your life and your heart. Father, we invite the power of your Holy Spirit here today. We invite you into our lives. We invite you into our relationships, into all the doings of life. You are welcomed here. You are the one in charge. And so we thank you for your willingness to extend yourself to us, to show grace, to bring truth. We know that you do this, and you're the only one that brings perfect truth. In Jesus' name, we say amen. See, what God has called us to be as a person, and what God has called us to be as a church, it's impossible to get there without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And I, and I think when we come to that reckoning, when we come to that place, we realize that that's when our, our life ratchets up and the quality and excellence of our relationship with Jesus Christ absolutely gets better and changes when we know that we're not the ones in charge. We're in a series called, Who is the Holy Spirit? And today it's about the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we've said about the Holy Spirit is we don't want to learn so much about the Holy Spirit as much as we want to experience Him in our own life. Amen. I want to experience the life and power of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. He said as much in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, we talked a little bit about this last week. We especially focused on the word martyr and what that means. And then we talked about the scope of God's kingdom and where God's kingdom was advancing. And we find out here it's in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. We know that. We see that here. The thing that I want you to look at today is the word power. You see that word when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power. The word there in the Greek is the word dunamis, And uh, the word dunamis is where we get our word dynamite. It means explosive power. Uh, it means a, a a supernatural power it means that a power is greater than anything we could ever expect or imagine and that really is the work of the holy spirit i don't know if you've ever experienced the holy spirit like that but just kind of minding your own business and and maybe maybe you've been praying over something for quite some time and weren't really seeing any progress and then all of a sudden there's this breakthrough i mean there's there's this amazing explosion of power and god is just up to a a ton of things in your life. Maybe you've experienced that. uh, That's happened to me. And that's what it means here. It means power, dunamis, explosive power. You see in the book of Acts that the power of the Holy Spirit is consistently connected to being a witness. and We said this last week. You don't need power to sit on the couch. Um, You you don't need power to live a... um, you know, a sedentary life. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to really go about you being a witness, that that's what it's all about, that wherever I go, I want to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so I can be a witness. Um, I don't do this very often, but Annette and I were out for uh, a dinner the other night, and uh, the the waitress just, just kind of, uh, she's stuck in my heart. I was just praying for her, just watching her wait on tables, and she was waiting on our table, and I thought, man, I... My heart just going out to her, and I, I don't know what was going on in her life, um, but when she came back to the table, I, just, I asked, I said, could Annette and I just pray for you? And she said, yeah, you can. And I said, how would we pray for you? And she talked about this reunion she was going to have with her father in Texas, and that it sounded to me she was a little nervous about it, and I don't know all the details, but we were able to pray there and we prayed since for that reunion. For whatever God wants to accomplish in those relationships, God would be about his business. That's really the power of the Holy Spirit at work. And that's how the Holy Spirit can work in your life. It's how he can work in my life by being his witnesses. This power is not about us. It's about being a witness and a servant to others. Uh, I know there are a lot of times that I want to make it about myself. And it's not about me. It's about how God wants to use me, how he wants to use you to change the world and relationships that you're connected to. Jesus speaks to his followers and he tells them that they will desperately need the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the big things that he has in store for them. And that without the Holy Spirit, their efforts will be futile. It's kind of like um, wanting to do a job. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, it's like wanting to do a job and not having the right tools. I mean, you know that's frustrating. I mean, it's frustrating to me because I'm not just a a natural, uh, I don't have the inclination of a a fix-it guy or a handyman. I really, I've had to work at it over the years. I, I, I think my wife might give me a C now, but before it was like an F. Uh, But I'm making it, and thank the Lord for YouTube, because you can actually look almost anything up and find out how to fix it. So that's my saving grace. But if you've ever been in a situation where you had to fix something, and it took a particular tool, and you didn't have that tool, it is the most frustrating thing on the planet. I mean, I don't know about you, but I just get totally frustrated, especially when I know that tool was there a week ago, and there was a little kid who carried it off somewhere, and now I can't find it. You know, so the interrogation begins. This is what would happen in my house when my kids were younger, when I couldn't find a tool. You know, I'd line them all up and say, tell me where the tool is. It was like hot, light, sweating, you know. I said, I want to know where that tool is. And they, you know, they, I don't know where it is. Dad, I don't know. I didn't have it last. None of them had it last. That's the crazy thing. They all had it last, is really the truth. And you can't find it, and you're trying to get a job done. Well, this is exactly what the, the Word is telling us. The Word is telling us that only by the power of the Holy Spirit can you get Holy Spirit kingdom stuff done. That, that you can't do it in your own strength. You can't, you can't do it in your own uh, you know intellect. When we get in a, a, a jam, the tendency is to think... The, the way out is to work harder. It's to muscle your way out. It's to work through it. Uh, to put emphasis on self-help, on our own willpower. And you know, willpower is the weakest power on the planet. If you don't believe me, take, go on a diet for 10 days or something. I mean, you'll, you'll find out in about two hours, wow, I wasn't prepared for this. My willpower is nothing Uh, compared to the challenge ahead of me. That's why we absolutely need the Holy Spirit. Is because it's the Holy Spirit's supernatural strength and power that helps us. It's not about becoming more and more self-reliant. It's about becoming more and more spirit-dependent. Hold on to that one. You know, this is the heartbeat of, of our teaching and being in this series on the Holy Spirit. And I really have appreciated your responses and what God's doing in your life. And, and, I, and I've been getting emails and texts and different things that, that are, are indicating that God is about stirring things up in our lives in a very very good way, a transformative way. Let Him keep doing that. Be open to that. Here's what Luke, uh, it says in Luke, Luke 24, 49. It says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, But tarry, the word tarry means to wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power from on high. Now, this is interesting, and I love this. I love what happens here. Jesus says: don't move a muscle, don't go anywhere, don't take one step out of your house. You wait. You wait until the Holy Spirit comes on you. You're going to know when that happens, and then you can leave, and then you go and accomplish the purposes of the kingdom. Isn't that interesting? I mean, here they are, these these individuals that had witnessed the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they had hung out with Jesus after his resurrection. And they're all pumped and ready to go. Have you experienced that? You know, I'm ready. I, I'm up for the job. I can, I can take it. And the, the, the thing we want to do is go get it done. And here's the Holy Spirit. Here's Jesus speaking to, to the apostles saying, no, 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 don't do that. Just wait. And I'm not a good waiter. I, I don't have a lot of patience. And I look at this and I'm thinking, that's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to wait. But the Holy Spirit, Spirit speaking And and the word says, and when the Holy Spirit speaks and you're endued with power, then that strength comes and your waiting will be worth it. You know, the Jesus followers are excited because fear has been replaced with faith because Jesus has risen from the dead. And now these men and women get to be part of this mission, part of advancing God's kingdom. And so Jesus says this on your first assignment. He says, just wait. Please don't do anything. Please don't muck this up. (laughs) Just wait. So Jesus wants to make it clear from the beginning that everything they do, everything that they say, is dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't it be a different world, a different relational world, a different church world, a different business world, If we took this seriously and said, God, this isn't about my ingenuity, not about my intellect or creativity, it's really about my dependence on you, and I'm going to wait until you endue me with power to do what you've called me to do. I don't want to do anything outside of the timing of God's Holy Spirit in my life. And timing is everything when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it really is, it's everything. So Jesus wants us to know there's a dependence here. And here's what I want to do. I want to give you a few ways that the Holy Spirit empowers us. There are five things that you can write down here. It's in your bulletin. By the way, you can pull that out. This is the way we're wanting to communicate to you. I don't know if you noticed this. We do have a common meal coming on June 30th. Uh, We're going to have our two services. And after that, We're going to have a common meal, so bring your stuff. We're going to meet with los hechos in the back and hang out and have food together. So I'm looking forward to that. I really am. But here are the five things that you need to know as far as how the Holy Spirit empowers us. Number one, He helps us when we're weak. Now that seems like an obvious statement, doesn't it? But He helps you and me when we're weak. The question you have to ask is, when are you weak? My answer would be all of the time, whether I know that or not. There's sometimes I'll confess that I'm weak, and, and there are times that I won't acknowledge that I'm weak when I really am weak. See, the Holy Spirit will help us when we're weak. In fact, it's only in our weakness that we truly experience His power. That's what Paul says. He said, in my weakness, God is strong. God is powerful. I know the times that I felt the weakest was really raising kids. You know, and and still feel that way uh, in a lot of uh, a lot of ways, a lot of time with my grandkids. I'm thinking, man, uh, I need a little help. I need some help. I need Holy Spirit insight. I need the Holy Spirit wisdom. And parents, thank you last week for coming forward. And, and, and being anointed with oil to carry that promise on to your children and your children's children and those who are far off. Thank you for that response. It was incredible. But what you're saying is, I recognize that I can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no way that I can raise a family. There's no way I can be in relationship with a spouse or with my children without the strength and power of God's Holy Spirit. I remember one particular time I was so desperate for an answer with my oldest son he was about 12 or 13 13 years old at the time and I I was desperate and 13 year olds can exasperate you anyways but but he was just going through one of those things that I recognized that if I just didn't jump in and get the Holy Spirit wisdom on this and Holy Spirit direction this could go I mean this could go sideways this could spin out of control really fast And so I just—I met him in the hallway, and I I just kind of ran into into the hallway at our house, and I said, hey, can we cut a deal? And he said, yeah, what is it? And I said, listen, I need your grace. I, I need your grace because this is the first time that I've been a father of a teenager. And I'm just not that good at it. I'm trying, but I'm not that good at it. And I said, and I'm guessing you're trying too, because this is the first time you've been a teenager. That day changed everything. That conversation changed everything. And I know it was the Holy Spirit. I knew it was the power of the Holy Spirit at work bringing wisdom to a conversation, to a relationship that desperately needed it. Parents, don't be afraid to admit that you're desperate. Don't be afraid to admit that you need the power of the Holy Spirit, especially when it comes to our families. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Do you see what's being said there? The Apostle Paul's saying this, there are things about your life that you don't even understand, that, that it's very difficult for you to wrap your head around. What he's saying here is there, are, there, there is the Spirit at work in you in ways that you will not be able to comprehend. But when you surrender to Him, when you let Him be about His business through you, there are miraculous breakthroughs that can happen. There are miraculous things that can happen when we confess our weakness. Please remember, God does not need your help. How many know that He doesn't need your help? He never has needed your help. He never will need your help. God doesn't need your talents. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your resources. He doesn't need us, but here's what He does. He invites us into a relationship with Him Becoming more like his son, Jesus Christ. He shows us the, the most when we actually need him the most. See, my, my weakness is when God's power shows up. And, and God's power shows up in some amazing ways. <laughs> I remember uh, I was in my early 20s, and I, I don't know how anyone could do this. I did this. I actually lost my truck in the woods. I, I lost my truck. I couldn't I didn't know where my truck was and they didn't have GPS, they didn't have a phone, there was none of that. And and I, I just bought a brand new truck and I was dreading going home and telling my wife, I can't find my truck. You know, my truck's in the woods somewhere. How do you say that? I mean, how do you even let that happen? But I lost my truck, my blue Toyota truck. I couldn't find it. Parked it somewhere, took off walking. Uh, just hunting a little bit, looking at different things. Before I know it, it's getting dark, and I can't find my truck. And I remember just praying, oh, God, first of all, help me find my truck, and secondly, save my life because my wife is going to kill me if I lose my truck. You know, that's not good. And so I, I prayed, and I did, and there was a young guy at the church I was part of. He came he came over that morning. He says, hey, I heard you lost your truck. Yeah, how many of you know about it? I mean, it's probably a news flash. Guess what? He lost his truck. I said, I need help, man. I need you to help me. And um, and he had a big truck with a winch on it, you know, the big man truck. And uh, I had a little puny truck. And uh, and he took me out, and that guy found my truck. and And he winched that thing out of there. I don't know how he did it to this day, except to... To say that we were praying. You know, just saying, Lord, I lost a truck in the woods. And, uh, and I feel pretty stupid right now, but can you help me find this truck? And the Lord does that. It only had to spend one night in the woods by itself. And I found it the next day. Or God found it the next day. See, that's the way God can work in our lives. Things that are unexplainable, he's taken care of. He's taken care of and walked us in a way that brings wisdom. So the second thing here is the Holy Spirit sanctifies you. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. It says, And such were some of you, but you were washed. Uh, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Sanctified means that I'm being made more and more like Jesus every single day. That there's this ongoing process in my life and in my heart. It's not about me trying hard enough to become like Jesus. It's about me trusting in the Holy Spirit to grow me up. Trusting is one of the most difficult things that we have to deal with in our own lives because we want and we're full of doubt and we can be full of fear. It's trusting the Holy Spirit to do a good work. See, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, we talked about it last week, is evidence of God working in our lives. And if you get any time this week, go over the the list again in Galatians 5. It's just remarkable. I read it again and I read it again and again. I can't get enough of it because that's really the evidence of the work of God's Holy Spirit in my heart, in my character, in who I am. And, And the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit are powerful witnesses of God's Spirit. If you remember last week, we talked about both of those working together. <clears throat> that, that, that the gifts are best used when they're planted firmly on the fruit of the Spirit. That when the gifts are an expression of gentleness or kindness or love or long-suffering, how powerful that is, how long-lasting that is. So remember that the gifts and, and, and the fruit of the Spirit don't operate separately. They operate together. And I love to hear the stories, and I get to hear a lot of stories about people whose lives have been totally changed because God has come by His Holy Spirit and developed the fruit of the Spirit in them. When you hear a a son talk about a relationship with a father and, and, and the testimony is, yeah, he used to be an angry dad, but now he's a gentle dad, he's a kind dad, and that's because of the work of the Holy Spirit in his life, that's a miracle. That's what we're talking about. That once I was this way, but now I'm this way because of the power of the Holy Spirit. There's something that happened in me, and God has made a difference in my life. Something's changed. I hear that constantly. I hear testimony of family members about God's power and the Holy Spirit working in family. Pray that way. Invite the Holy Spirit into your family. And the third thing here is the Holy Spirit helps us know God's will. In John 14, John 14 is one of those places we've spent time over the last few weeks because it really is kind of the anthem of the Holy Spirit in uh, John chapter 14. It says, but the helper, it can read advocate or counselor, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you your remembrance, all things that I said for you to do. See, the Holy Spirit is someone who brings about the will of God. The Holy Spirit counsels us. He directs us. He guides us. People will say, I want to know God's will for my life. Uh, But here's some insight. It's less about a revelation. It's more about a relationship. Listen, if you're seeking a relationship with the Holy Spirit, which we've talked about quite a bit in this series, please continue to pursue that. Revelations are wonderful But it's not altogether about a revelation we're wanting here. We're wanting a relationship. A deeper, growing relationship with God's Holy Spirit. It's keeping in step with the Spirit that we find the will of God. and You see this in the New Testament, in the book of Acts especially. It's what describes the early church. The Holy Spirit is mentioned over 50 times in the book of Acts. So so there's a lesson for us to learn here about the Holy Spirit or his name wouldn't be mentioned that often but it's the work of the Holy Spirit you see here a good example is found in Acts 15 where some church leaders write to some new Christians and I love this they said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us isn't that great how, how that all works, how the Holy Spirit influence works. If you've ever experienced anything like that, you know what I'm talking about, where you've got a group of people in the room and you're trying to figure out God's will and you're praying, you're reading the word, and then you come across something that, that you know is right by the Holy Spirit it's right by the team that's gathered. It's right by the group of people that's gathered and you have this direction. That is fulfilling. And that is God honoring when people live that way. I love this because it's so clear and so simple. It seemed right. It seemed right with the Holy Spirit in us. Again, I think there are times we try to complicate it. Remember, I'm going to go back to Acts chapter 2 and it says, and they all gathered and they heard the good news of God's kingdom in their own language. And it says, then they were confused. Clarity confused them. Now, don't be confused. Let the clarity of God work in your life because the clarity of God gives us the, the, the will of God. In Acts chapter 8 verse 29, uh, it's where Philip meets the Ethiopian eunuch and when the Holy Spirit leads, he leads us out of our comfort zone. I don't know what Philip might have been experiencing, but in Acts chapter 8 verse 29, it says, and then the Spirit said to Philip, go near... <clears throat> And overtake this chariot. I I don't know what he was thinking. I I would be thinking a lot of different things. And probably trying to confuse the clarity there. Uh, Like using the, the excuse that I don't run very fast. Or I can't get to him. He's too far away. My window just opened and closed. You know we've done all that when the Holy Spirit has spoken to us. And we missed the opportunity. Philip here does not miss the opportunity. Uh, he goes after this. He goes after the Ethiopian eunuch. He didn't ask for uh, any details. Uh, he, di- he, didn't, he didn't ask a lot of questions. What does he do? He just goes after it. He doesn't say, well, what's the big picture here, God? I'd like to know where I fit in all this. <clears throat> what's your scheme? What's your plan? Listen, he doesn't do any of that. Philip just does this. He runs after him. I mean, that's what it says in, in, in verse 30. So Philip ran to him And he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and he said, do you understand what you're reading? Well, Philip was there to interpret the word of God for an Ethiopian eunuch who really did not have a grasp on God's word or even a relationship with God. And the amazing thing that happens out of this is this man comes to faith in Jesus Christ and then the next thing he does is he wants to be baptized. I mean, isn't this great how this works? This is how this is supposed to function for us and in our lives. And so Philip's there because he obeyed God. He's there to bring the good news. And and then, then Philip baptizes the Ethiopian. There was no church service called to order. There were no songs that I know of. Maybe a few people were singing. But it wasn't formalized. It was just people getting together, especially Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And there was a baptism that took place right there. I love that about water baptism and how water baptism is one of those those things that God says, hey, do this uh, as a follower of me. Do this as an outward expression of something internally that took place by the work of the Holy Spirit. Just just go ahead and do this. I love our water baptisms here. If you've experienced that, we have a tub right here, like a trough. And some people say it looks like a coffin. I mean, I don't know, you know. But it's right here. And we have water baptism we did last Easter. And there's just this amazing celebration. There's just an amazing celebration. There is such joy in the house when we get to celebrate with those being obedient to God's word. It's pretty remarkable. Well, we shipped that whole package over a few weeks ago uh, to Israel, and we baptized uh, 20 some people in the Jordan River, and it was with that same celebration, but it kind of freaked people out a little bit, you know, especially if you're from another tradition. We had literally dozens of people gathering to watch what was happening because y'all were yelling and excited, and you were celebrating, and people wanted to know what this was about, and and a young lady afterwards came up to me and she said, were, "She said this in kind of a French accent. she said, were, "Were you the guy baptizing people down there?" And I said, I said, "Yeah, uh, I was and she said, "You know what I loved it i 've never seen in my country, in France in my churches i 've never seen anything like this ever." She said, I, "I took a video of it. You can go on youtube here 's my name it 's probably on I haven 't looked, but <clears throat> But what I'm saying is there's something attractive about God's people being obedient. Just simply being obedient. What does Philip have to do? He has to run. That's what God said. Run run to him. And then tell him the word and then baptize him. And and, and they all cooperate in this effort. And what happens is a life is changed. That's why, again, I love the beauty of, of water baptism and what God can do in our lives when we're obedient. And here's the fourth thing. <clears throat> he gives us gifts for others. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts for others. And we'll talk a little more about this in the next few weeks. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that Paul addresses uh, the misuse of gifts. So in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he's saying, you guys have misused these gifts. Uh, they were using the gifts of the Holy Spirit as a way... To create a class system in the church. So they were putting value on different gifts. And they were saying this gift is more valuable than this gift. And this gift is not as valuable as this gift. And what they were doing is they were creating that class system. That separation. And that's usually what happens when we start... Classifying things like that, that there is separation and there's broken relations, there's dysfunction that happens, and that's exactly what's happening in the Church of Corinth. And they were saying, "Listen, if you have these gifts, hey, you're on the varsity team. If you have these gifts, eh, you're, you're on the team, but you're playing JV, because you, know, you, really, you really don't, you, don't really, you really don't have it. You don't have the elite gifts. I'm so thankful for Paul's leadership here because he steps up and he says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. They were dividing each other based on the gifts of the Spirit that had been given. And the gifts and the work of the Holy Spirit is meant to bring unity and they were actually doing the opposite. So the gifts of God's Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the presence of God's Holy Spirit is to bring unity and alignment to the mission that God has called us to. Dads, if you're a dad, there's a mission. Moms, if you're a mom, there's a mission. God's called you. He's given you purpose. He's given you purpose in the kingdom. If God's called anyone in this room to, to ministry in any kind of way, serving, volunteering, then you, go, you need to step up to that. Because, listen, if you want to get your life out of park then what you need to do is start to serve others and say, Holy Spirit, fill me. This scares me to death, but please fill me with your spirit. And you know what? The Holy Spirit just licks his chops over those kind of things. He gets excited about God's people surrendering and saying, I will, Lord, follow you. And that's what happens. The primary purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for edification and encouragement. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, it says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministry, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And say amen to that. I'll tell you what this verse helped me do early on in my Christian faith. It, it, it helped me stay away from judging and despising gifts that were not the same as mine. Because that really is what brings separation. Is when we start judging what other people are doing or we start despising their gifts for whatever reason. That's what brings separation. And Paul's saying, no, don't go there. This isn't what it's about. He goes into uh, verses 7 through 11. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of who? Of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. It's the, it's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. He will give you the gifts. So what's my role in all of this? My role is to surrender and say, God, give me whatever gifts you need to give me. You don't, here's what people say, do I have to do that? No, you get to do that. Why wouldn't you want to do that? I'll tell you what it'd be like not having the gifts of God's Holy Spirit firmly planted and springing out of the fruit of God's Holy Spirit. It'd be like you given a task to cut down a forest with a Swiss knife. And all along, you've got a power chainsaw sitting up your attic you're not using. No, I get to be filled with the Spirit. I get to function in the gifts of the Spirit. And it isn't about me, it's about the work of God's Holy Spirit, it's about what he's wanting to accomplish in his kingdom, I love this, Paul goes on to use the metaphor of a a human body in in, uh, chapter 12 verses 20 and 21, and it says this, but now indeed there are many members yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. What we see here is a collaboration. We see hands, feet, body working together to accomplish the same purpose. Please keep that in mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, again in verses 29 and 30, it says, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? It's rhetorical. He's saying, no, not everybody does all these things. That there are gifts given, and some of us do some of these things, some of us do other things, but it it isn't something that we all do, and that's why we need each other. I'm glad that I need people, because I can be pretty arrogant, pretty prideful, and then in the body of Christ, what you learn, one of the things you learn is a dependency on the Holy Spirit, but also there's a dependency that you have, an interdependency you have with each other. And there's an admiration that can come when you're around long enough and you're watching uh, uh, with with focus in your your heart and your eyes to watch how people work together and to be able to say, wow, I admire that gift. That isn't what I have. That's not what I do, but I sure admire. I love that gift. I love the diversity of gifts in this church. I love what God's doing in your life and has doing, what he'll continue to do. It's amazing what God has blessed you with. And there's such diversity and there's a great appreciation. So I want to say this. I haven't said it in a long time. I trust the Holy Spirit in you. We're in the body of Christ. We lean on God's Holy Spirit. We ask him to fill us. But there's also a relationship that we we have with others. So the last thing is this. He calls us to salvation. That's what the Holy Spirit does. We cannot know the salvation of Jesus Christ on our own. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, hey, we're enemies. We're separate. We we can't do this. We're like like, uh, blind men in the dark. We cannot know salvation or experience salvation without the work of the Holy Spirit. I love this about the work of the Holy Spirit because I know this to be true about my life and to be true about your life. The Holy Spirit was working in your life long before you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Long before. I want you to know that. He is the hound dog of heaven. Whether you're aware of it or not, he's after you. And if you're not a believer here today, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit's not active in your life. No, it's the opposite. He's very active in your life. And he's going to stay active in your life. That's what gives parents hope. That's what gives grandparents. That's what gives friends and families and and relationships hope. Because we know the Holy Spirit doesn't give up like we'll give up. The Holy Spirit stays on this. And to me, I think the salvation by by the revelation of the Holy Spirit is the greatest demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I believe. For a dark, sinful heart... To see through the Holy Spirit the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's remarkable. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, Therefore I make known to you that you, no one, excuse me, speaking by the Spirit of God, calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by what? By the Holy Spirit. So every time someone says Jesus is Lord, it is a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. That's what that is. I've told this story. It's been a while, but I, I, I remember just being f- fresh into ministry and was a youth pastor down in southern Oregon. And, and uh, I remember just going into the vice principal because they're the ones that are you know, responsible for the heavy duty and the discipline and all that kind of stuff. They're the gatekeepers, you know. So I went in to sit down and talk with this vice principal. I was asking him if I could come on campus during lunchtime. That I wouldn't solicit, but I would just come on campus and be available. However, if someone asked me what I was doing there, I could tell them what I was doing there. And so I go into the vice principal, and I pitch this. And I'll just never forget, he was the typical vice principal, man. He just looked mad when I walked in, you know. Sorry, vice principals. Uh, You guys got a hard life. And uh, I sat down... And I started to tell him, you know, my plan. And it was stone cold. He just was staring at me. And I thought, okay, I'm out of here in about five minutes. You know, I'm, I'm out of here. And uh, when I was done, uh, he stood up. And he reached his hand across the table and he said this, I've been waiting for someone like you. I went, you're kidding me. You could have never, I would have never known by the look on your face. And he said this to me. He goes, No, I, I, just, I just received Jesus at a Luis Palau conference about six weeks ago. And, I, and I've been praying that someone would show up here and, and bring the good news of Jesus Christ. And he says, And you'll hold to your word, right? You won't go just preaching on a soapbox, but you'll wait until someone asks. And I said, Yeah, that's, that's the rule. That, that's the rule. So I, I, I was on campus, I was there two or three weeks. But I noticed these guys were kind of paying attention to me after a while. They were looking at me, and I found out later they just thought I was another drug dealer trying to cut in on their action because they, they had no other explanation for that, you know. They just didn't know why is this guy here, you know. So this is their territory. This is their property, you know. This is their, their neighborhood. And I just, I just remember walking down a hallway, and one of them just kind of st- stepped out of a dark corner. just scared me to death, I mean. He's a big boy. and He looked mean. And he says this. First time anyone ever asked me the question in three weeks, he looks at me and he says, what are you doing here? That's the question right there. I thought it'd be under different circumstances. You know, I was thinking, wow, well, that's the question. He's asking it. All right. This is why I'm here. I'm here to bring the good news of Jesus Christ and that he brings salvation to us. And I told him this and he goes, how do I do that stuff? I said, you mean, how do you, you want to know Jesus? He goes, yeah, I want to know Jesus. How does that happen? I said, well, let's just pray together. And he prays, and he, and he receives Jesus right there in this hallway. And then he looks at me, and he goes, how do I get these other guys that I know to do the same thing? Because I could bust them up really good, man. I mean, I said, no, 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 no. This isn't about the Inquisitions. Those days have gone. This is about just telling them and sharing faith, because the only way this happens is the work of the Holy Spirit, That brings them to this place. Well, he ended up leading all of his buddies to the Lord. A revival broke out in that town. I mean, there were so many things that happened with youth. How did that happen? It was the work of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit calling. Calling people to salvation. He's calling us to be filled with his spirit. To operate in the gifts and the fruit of the spirit in a way that shines Jesus brightly. Would you bow your head with me? Father, I want to thank you today for the good news that you've given us and that you have brought salvation to my life and to many lives that are here. And that would not have been possible without the work of your Holy Spirit. So we just thank you for being faithful in our lives. We ask that you'll continue to be faithful as you always are. Just bring your love, your grace, your gifts. In Jesus' name we pray and we say together, Amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canby4square.com.